Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, Advancing Equilibrium in the Midst of an Agitated World. This is Season 13, Episode 276. Title, Rockin' It Old School. Subtitle, The Value of the Sinner's Prayer. Some have worked hard to disrupt the use of the sinner's prayer in leading people to salvation in Jesus by leveling charges against its use, claiming it's not in the Bible, or it can become formulaic, manipulative, and man-centered. People who take this position are also most likely to believe essential to salvation is an acute understanding of the biblical doctrine of salvation and being able to count the cost of following Christ. Even though Jesus said to let the little children come to him and that we must have childlike faith if we are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. They will also appeal to the noble sounding position that they don't want people to look at them or even to a prayer they prayed for assurance of salvation, but to look to Christ for this. Some of these charges are outright lies and others are excuses given that lets them off the hook to diligently share the simple truth of the gospel and trust God for the results. My friend, that's what's at stake here, is to believe that the simple truth of the gospel and that God can bring the results. The results are not up to you and me. It is such arrogance and a lack of faith in God to think that we can do anything at all to trip up someone to the point that the person is denied access to heaven and instead goes to hell because of us or because of a lack of some communication skill set on our part. God is the one who calls a person to salvation. It is God who turns on the light of salvation we call enlightenment that enables a person to know they are lost and that faith in Jesus Christ to save them from their sins is the way. Yes, we are ordained by God to be ambassadors to share the good news with others and blessed are the feet of them who brings good news, but a person's salvation and security of salvation for eternity are acts of God. More has been done in the past 50 years to tear down a devoted follower of Christ's boldness and willingness to share the good news about the salvation in Jesus Christ and the confidence that it is so simple that Jesus said we need to have the faith of a child and in all of the history that has preceded this intentional assault. I have a context, and what I share with you is meant to inspire you to open your mouth to your family, friends, neighbors, work associates, and strangers on the streets to share with them that they can be saved and changed in a moment. In addition to the false statements that I've mentioned working to undermine our confidence in the gospel, to change lives in a moment, and the confidence to speak openly and boldly, we have also been assaulted by well-intended training seminars that are intended to equip us to successfully share the gospel with those around us. I speak from experience as one who is trained and certified in my past to host and train trainers for Evangelism Explosion, the NET, CWT, which stands for Continued Witness Training, the Evangicube, the Way of the Master, and more. The problem with all of these programs is that they all lead a person to believe that there is some sort of a science or system of flow that a person needs to know before they can lead someone to the Lord in salvation and life change. I believe training to give a person confidence and biblical tools to share the gospel is a good thing. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved. But if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then you already know enough to lead someone else to Him, to Jesus. One Saturday morning, as a part of an apartment ministry training workshop, 
I was asked to teach an evangelism class using a tool called the EvangiCube. It resembles a Rubik's Cube, but instead of different colored blocks, it uses pictures to tell the story of salvation. It's a very successful tool to use as you talk to others about Jesus. As a part of the leadership module, you can buy a huge EvangiCube that you have to assemble yourself. It's made out of cardboard, but you can use it as classroom visual aid. So, I started the class by taking them through an overview of the cube, taking them down the path of having them define what they see in the images from the first to the last. They nailed every picture, and they told the gospel story. When they finished, I told them that they summarized the points of the cube well, and this does conclude the training. It's interesting that no one laughed. I then went on to tell them that the main reason we don't talk to others about Jesus and have a confidence to lead them in the sinner's prayer of salvation is because we just don't open our mouths and do it. There are many excuses people give for not sharing their faith. In the end, if you are a Christian, it is the commandment of Jesus to carry out the Great Commission, found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And to not do it is to disobey Christ. Matthew 28 is the recorded encounter between Jesus and his disciples after Jesus rose from the dead and before he bodily ascended into heaven. In Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Picking up in verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Friend, it really is that simple. I find it interesting that against the backdrop of professing Christians in key leadership positions, who have lost confidence in the power and effectiveness of the simple gospel to save lives, you find people like Jan Karen, author of the highly successful fiction series of books about Midford, who talks about it in full detail in her stories, without shame and without compromise. In the closing of the fifth novel of the beloved Midford series, the book titled A New Song, the central character of the series, Father Tim, delivers a sermon at St. John's Church an island church on the U.S. coast, a 10-hour drive from North Carolina and his hometown of Midford. It is his first assignment as interim pastor following his retirement from Lord's Chapel in Midford. The occasion for the sermon is the first church homecoming Sunday in 30 years hosted by the church following the rebuilding from heavy damage sustained in a severe tropical storm. The last sentence on page 392 reads, He stood in front of the pulpit this morning looking at the faces of those whom God had given into his hands for this fleeting moment in time. Father Tim then said on page 393, What some believers still can't believe is that it is God's passion to be as near to us as our breath. 
In short, it has been my prayer since we came here for you to have a personal, one-on-one, day-to-day relationship with Jesus Christ. He then goes into full-blown presentation of the gospel inside the story. He openly shares with them his wish list for them. He then says, on page 394, But chief among the hopes, the prayers, the petitions is this, Lord, let my people know. Let them know that the unthinkable is not only real, but available and possible and can be entered into now, today, though we are indeed completely undeserving. It can be entered into today with only a simple prayer that some think not sophisticated enough to bring them into the presence of God, not fancy enough to turn his face to theirs, not long enough, not high enough, not deep enough. Yet this simple prayer makes it possible for you to know him not only as Savior and Lord, but as a friend. As he continues to expound, he then says, It is a prayer which will usher you into his presence, into life eternal, and into the intimacy of a friendship in which he is as near as your breath. Here's the way this wondrous prayer works. As you ask him into your heart, he receives you into his. The heart of God. What a place to be, to reside for all eternity. A few moments later, he leads the congregation in this silent prayer. Thank you, God, for loving me and for sending your Son to die for my sins. I sincerely repent of my sins and receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Now as your child, I turn my entire life over to you. Amen. Friend, a writer of fictional novels gets it, even going to the point of casually, fluidly spreading the gospel through a well-written story. Nothing contrived, just real to life, honest, and transparent. If we want to see our cities become vibrant, and filled with happy people who live caring, productive lives, it starts with us opening our mouths and talking to them about Jesus in honest, simple ways. Wow, this really is my prayer for us, our nation, and our world. Something has to give soon, my friend, or we will see cities, nations, and a world go too far to turn back. The time is now, my friend, for Christians to walk in obedience to the great commission of Jesus Christ. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.